Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Gluten-Free Voice. I'm Jules Shepard and this week is a very special episode for many reasons. As many of you all know, Tuesday was National Celiac Awareness Day and my guest tonight shares my goal of educating others about celiac disease and gluten sensitivity, not just on Celiac Awareness Day, but every day. I'd like to welcome Mrs. Shannon Ford to the Gluten-Free Voice. Welcome, Shannon. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, Shannon, um, for those of you who may not know, was crowned on August 4th of this year, just, I guess, just a little over a month ago um, in Las Vegas, and she was crowned Mrs. USA at the 25th anniversary of the pageant, which is very cool in and of itself, and major congratulations go to you. But the reason that I invited you on to the Gluten-Free Voice is because you have celiac disease, and your platform for this next year, as you've announced very publicly, is 1 in 133, and raising awareness for celiac disease, that's right? That is correct. Well, and I was thrilled to hear that when you were competing, actually. I guess you reached out to John and and me through 1 and 133 and said, hey, this is my platform and I'm really excited about what you guys are doing with 1 and 133 and we're even helping us to promote that before you were um, crowned and before we all knew that you were going to be the winner. So we were pretty psyched about it. (laughs) When I was Mrs. Mrs. Miami, because the Mrs. Florida pageant was actually two days before your summit. So I was crowned, um, and so it was just a few days before the summit, and I reached out to you as Mrs. Miami and then moved on to Mrs. Florida and then on to Mrs. United States. So it's it's, it's been a long with a journey. I know, and it's been such a whirlwind for you. I mean, that was all just really slammed in there like that. I didn't realize it was all that quick. I mean, my goodness, all three of those just right, right in a row. You've got, like, the trifecta going on. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. It all kind of happened um, in the three-month period, so... Wow, that's really exciting. And I was reading on your website a lot of information about you. I think the common you know, perception about people who are crowned or are traveling the country as part of these pageants is that that's all there is to them, and there's so much more to you. I mean, my goodness, you're right now you're a human resources business partner for an international wealth management company. You've been a Miami Dolphins cheerleader. You're an ambassador for the Dolphins doing community service. I mean, you're... You're just a great person all around, and we're thrilled to have you on board for one and one three three. But um, you know, backing up a little bit, tell me, you know, how did you get involved in these pageants? It's just kind of an interesting thing. I told my daughter that you were going to be on tonight, and her question was, "How does a person get to be crowned?" <laughs> I think she thinks you're a princess. <laughs> so I think you know, it might, it's an interesting question. That's a valid one. I promise her I'd ask you. So well, how does, what's that and process I, I like? Didn't... I didn't start as a as a as a child. I think that with the popularity of Taller and Tiara's and and all the the children shows, that's a com- that's a common misconception is that a lot of these um, a lot of people that win you know national titles as adults competed as kids, and that was um, not the case with myself. I um, Started competing at 18 uh, as a freshman in college, and I did it in in order to pay for school. And I, I entered yeah. the um, Miss America preliminary, which was my first one with Miss Miami. And um, I just started on that journey as trying to to pay for school. And I, I didn't win a local preliminary for three years, but I won. I was the place runner up, and I would win a couple hundred dollars here and there to pay for school. 
and then um, continued on. And, you know, then it became a goal to win a state title and to get to a national pageant. Um, I moved on to the USA system because, uh, let's face it, I didn't have much of a talent. So that was holding <laughs> me back. So I moved on to the USA system. And I think your talent is you're smart. <laughs> I think that's well, probably my what talent it is. Was, I tried to tap dance, but it wasn't very successful. So I, I oh moved on to a pageant that didn't have um, talent, which proved to be to be better. Um, interview is actually my favorite competition, and because mm-hmm. as a human resources manager now, it's something that I do every day, so interview is just some part of my daily life, and that's mm-hmm. always been my strongest competition. So I moved on to the USA system and won Miss Florida USA in 2002, and moved on to, you know, went to Miss USA, was able to compete there, and even though I didn't capture the title, I gained so much from that experience. But it's been nine years since I had competed and gave up my title um, wow. and, and really never thought I was going to compete again. It was just something like, okay, that was something in my past, and I did it. But after I got married and being diagnosed, I was diagnosed with celiac a little over two years ago. Mm-hmm. And my husband, um, you know, was part of that journey because he was actually the one that that um, heard about celiac and when I was going to so many different doctors and trying to get to figure out what was wrong with me, he heard about it and saw an interview with somebody talking about symptoms and said, I think this is, you should get tested for this. This sounds like it's something that you may have. So with that, um, you know, that I, I now had a purpose to, to compete again because I had something to talk about. And that was really my sole motivation for, for getting back into competing. And that was what yeah, I was I was went to the Miss, Mrs. Miami pageant and then Mrs. Florida and then Mrs. United States, and I think that's what made the difference between my experience at, um, competing for Mrs. United States is I really had a purpose, and I think the passion for my cause was showed through the interview because it's yeah, it sounds like I it. Was, I, I didn't I mean, even I realize that. Yeah, right. And I had no idea that that's sort of the you know the impetus that actually got you back into competing. But I'm sure that that passion showed through. And if your favorite portion of the pageant was interviews already, then you probably just nailed that without any problems at all. And you know it's true when you have a passion like that, it's what sort of carries the day. I think people can tell when you really believe in it. But you know, you alluded to your diagnosis, and I really definitely wanted to get into this because I think it's so important that people hear, you know, everyone else has their own story. They all have their journey about how they realized that they needed to remove gluten from their lives, either because they have a confirmed diagnosis of celiac or because they're one of the many, many people with gluten sensitivity or other medically necessitated reasons. You come to that realization through different different ways and I think it's really important to hear from people like you who have had that journey and are willing to talk about it and you know can use that to help educate others about why it's so important to talk about celiac disease as an option for a diagnosis when there's not another solution available right um with myself I had um I'd always probably had an issue with eating, um, you know, gluten. Uh, I, but I thought maybe it was just one of those, you know, you feel lethargic after eating too much pasta or eating pizza or eating something bad. So I never really saw a, a, a connection to that until February of 2009. Um, I got engaged, and that two days later I left on a two-week 
tour of the country to different offices to actually do a mass layoff. And I traveled to seven different offices over a two-week period. So here I had this very heightened experience of being engaged and excited and then then had to take something that took an emotional toll of, of laying people off and, and telling them they didn't have a job anymore and, and then sure. traveling on top of that. So the, I think the stress of that time period um, really, that was really the turning point. That was when I yeah. the symptoms within a week started to show. And, and um, I, for many people, it's symptoms, in, you know, stress-induced is when the symptoms start to show. And my symptoms were um, what a lot of people, uh, you know, experienced. I was lethargic. I had a, for some reason, my resting pulse rate was down to 34 to 35 beats per minute, and which was mm-hmm. unexplainable. Yeah. Uh, diagnosed with anemia, IBS, um, hypothyroidism, mm-hmm. a hypothyroid. They had me on armor, um, and no one could figure out what was wrong with me. And we saw an interview with um, Elizabeth Hasselbeck, and she was talking about her symptoms. And one of the, the main symptoms was um, the flatulence, which is always yeah. something fun to talk about. And yeah. also, <laughs> you're, you're you know, on a radio show wants- where everyone else is like, uh huh, yeah, got it. <laughs> Yeah, and but also the stomach. My stomach would just, yeah. just descend to the to a point where I looked like three months pregnant. And my husband, yeah. my now husband, turned to me. He goes, "You got it. That's that's you." She just described you. And um, the first three doctors thought I was crazy and refused to test me. And finally, the my endocrinologist were those, were those um, it, internists or were they gastroenterologists or do you recall one was what, a, whether they were one specialists? Was a one was a gastroenterologist, one was a cardiologist, and one was my PCP, who I no longer see. Um, yeah. And then the fourth well, was and my I, endocrinologist. Yeah, I think that that's really surprising to a lot of people to hear is that even a gastroenterologist would miss that diagnosis. But so many of us going through it had that happen as well. It's the same story with me. And I'm not surprised, but I think, you know, we we tend – especially in Western society, to think that our doctors have the answers. And especially when you've made your way to a specialist, like you've gone through all the different layers of doctors who, you know, have been whittled down to the folks who are supposed to really know what's going on and for you to still have a misdiagnosis or a doctor who refuses to test you. And, again, Shannon, we're talking about 2009. That's not that long ago. And and yeah, it's it still it's shocking and phenomenal in a really tragic way, but I think it's important for people to hear it because, you know, so many people have gone through that same thing where people say and physicians say that they think that you're crazy, like you have a psychological issue, you're you know you're imagining these things, or you're a hypochondriac, or you have anxiety, you know, and that that might be causing your you know your intestinal distress or what have you. And granted, you were going through a stressful period, as you noted, but that is absolutely the trigger for so many people. That's why so many women find out that they have celiac disease when they're pregnant or are breastfeeding. I mean, your body's right. going through an ama- amazing amount of stress, and that can bring that on. It just sort of turns the light switch. And um, so you finally got the right answers through your endocrinologist because you asked him to test you, or how did that happen? I did. I, did. I asked her, and we were, we were oh, testing – um, yeah, we were testing the, the blood um, once a month to, to monitor to see how the armor was working. And I said, you know, can you please test me for this? You know, and I actually was scheduled 
the following week for a colonoscopy. And I just said, you know, I just don't think that's it. And I mm-hmm. was convinced that it was the gluten at that point. I just said, you know, I really want to get tested for this. And she, even she said, I don't think that's it, but I'll, I'll run the test. I'll run the, the blood work. And, now, were you eating um, gluten at the time? I was I was trying to, I was taking I was try I was toying with it. I would go a couple of days to see how I'd feel without it and I'd start sure. to feel better. And when I told her that she was like, Well, I'll run the test, I don't think that's it. But I knew that if you um if you started if you stopped eating gluten then the antibodies wouldn't show up in your blood in the blood work. So right. I was careful to, to not completely stop because I wanted to right. at least get some sort of answer. So sure well, at least enough, you knew that because so many people yes, find themselves yes. doing exactly what you did. They do their own little experiment. They feel so much better that you couldn't pay them a million dollars to eat gluten again. And then they're right. never going to get the diagnosis because they can't be tested positively for celiac disease if they're not eating gluten. Exactly, exactly. So I, she called me back a couple of days later and said, you know, you have, and, and, and it was amazing because she said, you know, you have opened my eyes that, you know, I have to think out of the box. And she goes, we as doctors always look at the symptoms. And one of the things that kind of threw all the doctors off was many people lose weight. I actually was the opposite, and I was gaining weight unexplainably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they still don't realize why. I mean, everybody reacts different, but I was gaining weight, even though I was working out continually and, and eating eating healthy. Um, I was just gaining weight unexpectedly. So yeah. as soon as um, as soon as I did remove the gluten, that you know that changed, and also I was so inflamed just um, because of you know the inflammation and, and my body fighting the gluten. So, right. but that was one of the things that threw threw a lot of the doctors off was because I was gaining weight for some reason. Well, so, and that's funny that you should say that because I think you know. Uh, um, I actually wrote a book a few years ago called The First Year Celiac Disease and Living Gluten-Free. And one of the mm-hmm. main things that I wanted to get across in the beginning section of that book was all the different myriad possible symptoms of celiac disease. And you're right, so many people think that you're losing weight because of malnutrition. But it's a it's a well-documented symptom that a lot of people gain weight. And right. it can just be water weight, too. It can be the bloating. But a lot of people are right. actually gaining weight. And because, of, as you mentioned before they thought you had um is it hyper or hypothyroidism that they thought hypo, you had initially hypo. right so they well, thought that either was one why I was gaining weight yeah and thyroid disease is a really really um documented link to celiac disease as we know celiac is not an immune disease and so um once you have one you're more likely to have others and there is a comorbidity between them but hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism both there is a documented link with that and celiac disease so it's interesting even with all of that and the anemia and the gastrointestinal symptoms that the, your doctors right. were missing it. But at least, you know, and and it brings it back. At least you saw the show where you heard someone talking about what was going on, which I guess comes full circle to where you are now because that's kind of the mission of your platform is to educate others as much as you can. Someone might hear an interview with you or read an article about you and your experience and then the light bulb goes off for them. Right, exactly, and that's that's the whole purpose is just to one get out there and and tell my story because my story may be something that some someone else is you know similar to, and then also with which is why I got connected with yourself was 
learning about gluten-free labeling and that I learned the hard way that said just because something says it's gluten-free doesn't mean it's actually yeah. gluten-free. And I right. had to learn that the hard way. Um, you know, I, I learned the difference between something saying gluten-free and something being certified gluten-free. It's a big difference. Yeah. And huge, yeah. I was shocked to know that, you know, to learn that the FDA hadn't made those standards. Um, I traveled to, shortly in the November after being diagnosed, I, I had to travel to London and to Jersey in the Channel Islands um, uh, for work. And I was really, really nervous. I had been, you know, short, diagnosed for only about four months. I was still finding my way on how to eat. And then here I am traveling, you know, to a different country and not, you know, very nervous. And I was amazed and pleasantly surprised to learn that in Europe it's very common that everyone is tested for for, for gluten um, sensitivity and celiac as well as um, being lactose intolerant. So everything was labeled, and it was so easy. And I would tell a waiter, you know, I, I have a gluten allergy or I'm celiac, and they knew exactly what it was. And I was there for a few days, and it was just so stress-free because yeah. everyone knew what it was where I went to a restaurant um, probably about a month later uh, close to my to my home, and the waiter asked if that was a wine. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, my goodness. it's not a wine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've been asked, yeah. you know, so many different things where people just don't know what it is. So, you know, but it, it's one of those things where I think it's just educating people. I think because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's becoming a, a hot topic right now, at least people are learning about what gluten is. But to know yeah. that it's not a way to lose weight, it's not a way, you know, it's, it's not a fad diet. It is a necessary diet for a lot of people like myself. Right. And I think now that we actually have some, you know, medical studies that back up the theory that there is actually such a thing as gluten sensitivity, it's not just are you celiac or not, there's celiac and there's gluten sensitivity. And there's actually far more people who have uh, gluten sensitivity than even celiac. And that's going to bump up the number of people who are living gluten-free because of medically necessitated reasons, certainly not because of a fad and certainly not somebody who's going to, you know, quote-unquote fall off the wagon. Um, It's basically, you know, I think taking the food industry um, a little while to catch up because they kind of got burned on the whole Adkins thing. You know, it was really hot for a while. Right. You know, low-carb, low-carb, or, you know, and then the low-fat thing, and then now fat's okay as long as it's good fat. So the food industry is used to that kind of fad mentality. And so they have thought for a while that gluten-free was exactly the same thing, and it's so not the same thing because, you know, you and I and everyone else living gluten-free because we have to, that's not going to change. And we're going to be, you know, carrying that market forward as they are in Europe and have been in Europe and Canada um, and all over the world. But certainly Europe and Canada have done a much better job on the food manufacturing front than we have um, for so long. And we're just playing catch-up now. And, you know, you mentioned traveling to to London, and they, you know, the Codex Alimentaris has established labeling requirements in Europe, and that's what I think is astounding to so many of us Americans. We think, oh, yeah, we, you know, we are protected by the FDA, and we have safe food, and our labels mean something. And up until, you know, we had this, um, the FDA putting out their proposed food labeling standards for gluten-free, 
we had nothing and and we right. still don't have anything we just have a proposal and so i think it's shocking for people to realize a that the fda was told that they needed to do this and they didn't and b now that they have put out a proposal that it's still not a reality yet and yet all these other countries are living under standards that are uniform so we're we're playing catch up in the food front we're playing catch up in the labeling front, but, you know, we're doing the best we can, and we're working really hard for it through 1 and 133 and people like you who are out there um, with a platform and with the public's eye, you know, really making a difference in getting the word out. So, you know, as a fellow celiac, I thank you for all of that. <laughs> well, I really I'll, do. I'll it's amazing to me how prevalent, you know, celiac has become. And there were 54 contestants, and I have to note this, but there were 54 contestants in the pageant. There was three celiacs. Um, this is Alaska. Are you kidding me? No, there was three of us. Um, this is Alaska, Brandy, who is, is also her platform, and um, Mrs. New Hampshire, Nicole, who's, um, her son is autistic, and, and uh, so they both, the whole family is, lives a gluten-free lifestyle. But there were three of wow. us in the pageant. And then Mrs. Guam, her son was celiac. So wow. you know, it amazed me that it was so prevalent in the, amongst the 54 women. You, we hear this 1 in 133 number, but in that, you know, it was 3 in 54, which was mind-boggling. That's and amazing. And then a, the, a lot of the women, they're, they're, they had children that were autistic, so they, we, we shared a lot of gluten-free tips amongst I bet you us, did. Uh, pageant week. Well, and you are um, segueing nicely into my, my next question, which is, okay, as somebody who obviously travels a lot and has been, you know, the whole pageant experience and all of that, but just even your business travel, um, you know, how do you do that successfully gluten-free? I mean, how, what are your sort of tips and strategies for, um, for travel internationally, nationally, um, you know, overnights, going to strange places, restaurants? What are, what are the kinds of things that you do? Um, because, you know, even though they're for different reasons than most of us, it's all the same in terms of travel. If you've got some, some strategies that you'd like to share, I think that would really benefit the listeners. Well, one of the things I, I will say is, first I'll start, start off with restaurants. Um, with going to restaurants, I have learned to patron those restaurants that have gluten-free menus. It makes mm -hmm. it easier. P.F. Chang's, I am a regular there. Fortunately, there's yeah. one close to my home and close to my to my office. And, you know, I think that it, as we as consumers need to focus on those and, and, and reward those companies and those restaurants that have gluten-free menus. So it, that would, it just makes it stress-free, especially for a place like C.F. Chang's, um, because they have a whole dedicated kitchen in each, in each restaurant, which is amazing. Um, so I try and patron those types of restaurants um, when we do. and then Or um, uh, I do, we do try and, and go to restaurants that, um, you know, will have, uh, you know, a very, very simple menu, something that's very uh, gluten-free gluten friendly, I guess you could say. Um, I, I probably would not go to an Italian restaurant um, just for the fact that it would be torture. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. so I think that that's, the, that's the first and foremost, and I do that both both at home and when I travel. Traveling, it just depends on where I'm going. Um, fortunately, I have the traveling that I do for work is usually in the same location, so I've kind of gotten a hang of it, but occasionally I will have to go to a, to a location that um, I'm not familiar with. Um, for example, the week of the pageant, we were we were pretty much stuck in the hotel. 
Um, mm-hmm. Our hotel was it was it was the Las Vegas Hilton, and we ate there, rehearsed there, we did everything there. So we we didn't really have much time to leave. And uh, you know, any hotel food, lots of sodium, not a good thing when you're competing in a pageant. Yeah. And also, <laughs> it was buffet. It was a buffet, and again, not not good when you're trying to, no. to live gluten-free because you really can't eat buffets. So I actually shift um, to the hotel before I left Miami. I shift a little George Foreman grill, mm-hmm. and I actually uh, went to Whole Foods before I left. As soon as I landed, where the Whole Foods close by the hotel, picked up some stuff. I had it made sure my room had a refrigerator, and I cooked my whole my my own food that week, um, especially wow. my protein salads and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was able to 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 get through the restaurant, but. For, for my proteins, I had to cook it myself just to make sure because that was not the week to have, you know, to have a cross-contamination. And no, I would so not was, think that would be a good idea. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So um, It's funny, people laugh at stomach. me for traveling with my bread maker, but now I have this great new idea to travel with a George Foreman. That's a fantastic idea. I mean, it's much smaller it, it than my bread maker. It was, and honestly, it was it was pretty very convenient, and I think all the girls were jealous because it was, I, I you know, I I've learned to make it pretty good, so it was, it was very very tasty. Um, and but when I travel, for example, I I will be traveling to New York next week for work. Um, you know, again, I I do try and go to Whole Foods. There's a Whole Foods close to the office there as well. Um, Whole Foods makes it easy because they list all the ingredients on their packaged foods, and I'll try and make sure. Um, for example, if I'm eating at the, I'll, I'll buy uh, a prepackaged lunch at Whole Foods and then, you know, heat it up at the office. Um, and then during the week, for for when I'm when I'm at home, I always make my lunch. I I very 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 rarely go out to eat. Um, mm-hmm. And it's that one. It's a lot cheaper. You save a lot of money that way. Yeah, right. And also, it's just healthier because I know now what I'm putting in my food. And the being I always tell people being diagnosed celiac has really changed my life in the fact mm-hmm. that I am now just a healthier person all around. I lived on processed foods. I lived on frozen meals. I never cooked. I did not know how to cook. And yeah. being diagnosed celiac has forced me to learn how to cook and then learn now what goes into my body. And I don't eat processed foods. I mean, my my in-laws who are amazing people, are always buying me um, gluten-free crackers and anytime yeah. you see anything gluten-free, you can see at Costco and they buy in bulk. Um, they <laughs> will buy me, you know, gluten-free Oreos and whatever, and I just don't eat that. I know, you know, yeah. and it's just something I don't eat because now I I really am conscious of what I put in my body, and that I see food as fuel, and it's, yeah. it's the fuel that I put into my body. And once you change that mentality, it's so much easier to avoid the bad things. Mm-hmm. And I you know, I think looking at a piece of, you know, a piece of cake, yeah, it it once was tasty, but I know that it's going to, you know, put me in bed for a couple of days and make me feel like I want to die, so that makes it really easy to to turn away. Yeah. I think that's a, an amazing point and and I've tried to stress that when I, you know, give lectures or am doing t- cooking classes or anything. I think it's, you know, anytime you can emphasize to people that going gluten-free is not the end of the world. It's actually the beginning of a new, wonderful world of thinking about how you can live a better, healthier, longer, more satisfying life. 
It doesn't mean yeah. that you don't have to, you know, you have to get rid of all of your vices or anything like that, but it, it does make you sort of pause and go, is that worth, you know, whatever? And and not just the cheating thing, I mean, absolutely no cheating, but, you know, not thinking about food as fuel, I think, is a wonderful way of putting it. I mean, how many pieces of cake do you need to have? Like, is it really right. necessary, you know, because you know what's in that cake now? You read the ingredients or you made right. the recipe or, you know, and so I think it just, it's a heightened sense of awareness and it's an opportunity to take control of your health without drugs, which is an amazing opportunity, especially for those of us who had these, you know, horrible journeys to a diagnosis and had to take all these different, you know, supplements and, and medications and, you know, go through all kinds of nasty procedures. Well, for someone to say, really, all you need to do is avoid putting this into your body and you're going to perform as a, you know, as a healthy human being without having all this medication. It's it's a wonderful opportunity. I think food is fuel is a great way of looking at it. And, um and I thank you for sharing your perspective on that with us because I think that's well, really I always, helpful. And I always tell people, if you're going to have a disease, this is probably the one to have because yeah. it's, you, <laughs> all you have to do is avoid something. And then, you know, there is no cure, but there's, there's, it's the easiest treatment. And it, yeah. and like I said, it's, it's, it's changed my outlook on health in general. I, I'm healthier as far as, you know, I work out and I'm just, it, it's led me on a, on a journey to total health. So I'm I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful for it. Yeah, yeah. That's a wonderful, wonderful outlook. And I I so appreciate you sharing that because I think it's really helpful for others to hear somebody who's leading a very full, active life as you are, obviously. You're not being held back by this. In fact, it's inspired you. And it has um, taught you how to, you know, lead a healthier, happier life, which I think is fantastic. So, Shannon, thank you so much for taking time out of your, I know, very busy schedule right now to talk to us thank on you for the Voice. And thanks for everything you're doing to um, promote the cause of gluten-free food labeling and celiac awareness. Great. Thank you so much for having me. All right, take care. Thanks. Bye-bye.